Welcome to another episode of Pem Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski, and today I'm going to be talking about returning to sports following a COVID-19 diagnosis for children and adolescents. And I'm not even going to get into whether or not we should be allowing youth sports in the United States and other places during the pandemic. Let's just be honest. There's still plenty of youth basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, etc. Games going on all around us. I have three kids. And if a kid tests positive, I'm not going to be clearing them to return to the emergency department in the emergency department. But that doesn't mean that patients and parents aren't asking. And remember that what I go over here is just a set of recommendations, and they're based off of practice guidelines at many centers and on what the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends. Definitely consult with your local hospital and your cardiology groups for up-to-date information. This is intended for any young person, so someone who's 21 years of age and under, who tests positive for COVID-19 and wants to return to sports. It's structured based on the severity of the initial presenting symptoms. All right, so let's start here with patients who are either asymptomatic positives or with mild symptoms. And this includes patients with fewer than four days of fever, myalgias, chills, or fatigue, as well as those with only mild upper respiratory energy eye symptoms. So following the diagnosis, these children should undergo a 14-point pre-participation screening evaluation by their primary care doctor. There should be a specific focus on the following symptoms. Any new chest pain, new shortness of breath out of proportion to the upper respiratory symptoms that they may have had, any palpitations or syncope. If there's a normal physical exam and evaluation, then they don't need any testing and they can return to sports 10 days from their positive test and 24 hours without any symptoms. Any patient with a concerning history or physical exam should be referred to pediatric cardiology for EKG and further evaluation. So how do we implement this return to play specifically? All right, per the AAP, a stepwise approach supervised by the primary care doctor is safe and reasonable. And this is what I'll tell families in the ER. And it kind of mirrors that return to play you know, with concussion. And so I use that as a backbone to start the explanation with the families. If they fail any stage, they stay there until they can tolerate activity. And you can monitor these symptoms remotely or via telemedicine. And patients and parents should know what a heart rate normal range is and, and how to monitor that. So stage one, that's two days, 15 minutes or less of light activity, no greater than 70% max heart rate, no resistance training. Stage two, one day, 30 minutes of activity or less. Patients can add simple movement activities, you know, running drills, reaching no greater than 80% of the max heart rate. Stage three is for one day, 45 minutes of activity or less. They can introduce more complex training, including the addition of light resistance with a goal of no greater than 80% of max heart rate. Stage four is two days. This is 60 minutes of activity or less. This is normal training activity, but no greater than 80% max heart rate. And stage five is return to full activity and participation in sports. So as you can see, this takes, you know, at least six days, right? All right, let's move on to those patients with moderate symptoms. This includes kids with greater than four days of fever, myalgia, chills, or fatigue, as well as those who had a non-ICU admission. 
These patients should also have no evidence of multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. All of these children should be referred to a pediatric cardiologist for EKG and evaluation. The cardiologist will determine further testing and clearance, which would be no sooner than 10 days following the positive test and 24 hours of no symptoms. So cardiology, you know, may decide that a troponin, an echocardiogram, Holter monitor, an exercise stress test, or even a cardiac MRI may be indicated in some of these patients. All right, and then finally, severe symptoms. So this includes patients who are admitted to the ICU and those who required mechanical ventilation or non-invasive positive pressure ventilation. This also includes anyone who has an established MISC diagnosis. These patients should be followed closely by pediatric cardiology and restricted from exercise and sports for at least three to six months. Okay, so there you go. Relatively simple. PMDs can manage the mild cases and moderate or severe cases, you know, admitted kids, MISC, definitely need a pediatric cardiologist to follow them up. And mind you, this episode is really just focused on returning to play. What about isolation and quarantine? I think we all know that there's cases of failure out there. Kid shows up positive. Maybe they were wearing masks in an indoor court playing basketball. It's your job as a physician to advocate for the health of not just your patients, but for other children as well. So if people aren't following quarantine guidelines, reach out to the school, athletic organizations, or more importantly, to your local health department. They can enact some contact tracing and stop the spread of COVID-19. All right, so that's all for this brief episode of PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. You can check out pemblog.com for more great pediatric emergency medicine-focused educational content. Follow me on Twitter at PEMTweets. Check out the Facebook page and leave some feedback, whether that's on your favorite podcast site or sending me a DM on Twitter. I'd love to record more quick episodes like this one because there's so much great information to get out there and so little time to consume it all. Until next time, this has been Brad Soboleski.